Um, and it all has to do with surrendering and just giving your life to God. Um, as a man, I thought, you know, the way a man lives was, you know, he works hard and he earns hard and he has a big car and big house. And once I realized that that wasn't God's plan for me, um, everything started to fall into place once I surrendered to him. Um, once I gave up the perversion and the lust, the things that this world tells me I need to, you know, have, you know, women and things like that, he brought this beautiful woman of God into my life. And once, once we started having children, we have two beautiful children, but our last one, they even told us, the doctor said we may have a hard time conceiving, but God was faithful through that, and we have beautiful Danielle and one more on the way. Amen. And so I just want to share with you that God is faithful, uh, you know, through everything, through finances, through family, through sickness, you know, just put your trust in him and he will not let you down. Amen. So I want to encourage you with the scripture from Psalms 100. Uh, verse 4 and 5, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise to his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we just give you praise and thanks right now. For you are worthy to receive all the glory today. Let us prepare our hearts, Lord God, to see your faithfulness work through us, Father God, so that we can come back next week with testimonies of how you've been great to us, Father God. So I pray each and every person here just claims their promise today and worships you and surrenders it all for your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Put your hands together. Come on, say, my God is powerful. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, my God is powerful. Come on, tell your other neighbor, say, my God is glorious. Come on, we're worshiping an awesome, powerful, glorious God this morning. Say, hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Sing this with us. Face out shines the brightest sun. Jesus, Jesus, you're glorious. You are so glorious. With eyes, with eyes that blaze like burning fire. Jesus, you're glorious. You are so, come on, sing that again. Your face now shines. Your face now shines the brightest sun. Jesus, Jesus, you're glorious. You are so glorious. The tears with eyes, with eyes that blaze like burning fire. Jesus, you're glorious. You are so glorious. King of glory, have your You're powerful, Jesus. You're powerful. Come on, say it. You're powerful. You are so powerful, oh Jesus. Within your hands you hold the stars, Jesus. You're powerful. You are so powerful, Jesus. King of glory, have your
you're powerful. Jesus, you're powerful. Can you sing that you're powerful? You are so powerful. Within his hands, say, within your hands, you hold the stars. Come on, that's all God. You are powerful. Jesus, you're powerful. You are. You are so Jesus, powerful. you're powerful. your voice church this morning king of glory we worship you lord we're here to praise you king of glory have your glory every hand raised every heart raised to the king of glory to receive honor, worthy to receive praise. We lift you up in this place, God. Lift up your praise, church. Lift up your praise to him. He's worthy.
Whenever we come together, church, the word says that where two or more are gathered, he is in our midst. Where two or more are gathered, there's two or more of us in this place. So we know, we believe that God is here. Let's just remind ourselves of who God is. A lot of times we come in and we get used to the routine. We're going to come in, we're going to worship, we're going to sing some songs. But let's remind ourselves of who is in our presence right now. We are in the presence of God. He created the earth, everything that we see just from his word. And this morning we're believing, God, that your word would go forth and bring life where there is death. We believe this morning, God, that your word would go forth in our hearts, God. Jesus, bring life into us. Bring life into this place. You are God. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we wait on you, Jesus. Say we wait for you. We wait for you. We wait for you. We wait for you. To walk in the Here we are, standing in your presence. Shekai 
Lord, say, God, give me ears to hear what you're saying. Come on, just say that to the Lord. Give me ears to hear what you're saying, God. God is speaking to your heart this morning. He might be showing you some things that need to change. He might be speaking words of encouragement to you, but I know that he's speaking in this place to you personally right now. Before I open up this time for the word for the congregation, I want to give God time to speak to you alone, individually. Come on, just say, God, give me ears to hear what you're saying. you up right now, Jesus. Come on, all over this place, can you just tell the Lord what is on your heart right now? Can you speak to him? Say, God, Lord, I surrender my life to you, or God, I surrender an attitude to you, Jesus. God, I trust you with this area of my life, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you need joy in this place, let's respond to that word. Let's receive the joy of the Lord in this place, God. Bring gladness in this room, Lord. Bring laughter. Bring joy. Bring rejoicing in this room, God, in our hearts. Because you are good, Lord, all the time. Come on, just lift up your voice to him and say, Holy Ghost, give me your joy, God. Give me your joy, Jesus. Give me your joy, Jesus. Hallelujah. We want more, you speak, we want more, 
more. We want the fullness, the fullness of your joy, your joy, your joy, your joy, Jesus, your joy, God. Fill our hearts with your joy, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Thank you for your joy in this place, Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. We're filled with you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So let hope rise. Darkness tremble in your holy light. That every eye would see Jesus our God, great and mighty, great and mighty to be great. Can you just say that? Let hope, so let hope rise. Darkness tremble, darkness tremble in your holy light. That every eye would see, that every eye would see Jesus our God. Great and mighty to be great. God of all day and God of all day, glorious, glorious in all of your way. Majesty, majesty, the wonder and grace in the light of your. Say, let hope rise. So let hope rise. Come on, sing it out. Darkness tremble in your holy light. Every eye would see that every eye would see Jesus our God. Great and mighty to be great. One more time, let hope rise. So let hope rise and darkness tremble in your holy light every eye would see that every eye would see jesus our god great and mighty to be great just lift up your hand and say god of all days and god of all days glory up a shout of praise to him. Hallelujah, Lord. Glorious, glorious and mighty, full of wonder, full of joy. So
everything in my life, God. Just raise your hand to him and say, we'll shout. Shout for your glory. presence we thank you for your goodness dear God for your mercy and grace we thank you that when we speak you hear our prayers and this morning God we lift up the Philippines to you Heavenly Father we lift up the Philippines dear God your people whom you love God and we pray for healing in the land God we pray for healing in the land we pray for healing in the hearts of your people dear God we pray that the body of Christ would unite and provide for your people God that we would meet the needs dear God financially that we would meet the needs of people dear God for food as they have gone through a tremendous storm, dear God. Approximately 10,000 souls, dear God, are gone 
if not more. And God, we know that your heart weeps for them. Your heart is there. You are there, Holy Ghost. We know that you are there. So we pray for healing in the land. We pray that you would send your people, send your workers, your God. Send your people and your workers to do something amazing there. God, people who knew you have probably died. People who didn't know you, dear God, are lost. And your heart breaks for that, dear God. Your word says you desire none to perish, Lord God. And so I pray that now and this time, dear God, as they rebuild, dear God, that your light would shine and the gospel would be preached. Father, that salvation would come to those, dear God, who are hurting now, that they would turn to you, that they would cry out to you and be saved in Jesus name come on give God some praise this morning if you believe he's gonna do it give God some praise this morning because we know that he's there give God some praise this morning for his people doing his work hallelujah God we thank you dear God we thank you for the work that you're doing in Jesus name and everybody said amen come on give him some praise amen why don't you guys greet your neighbor and take a seat as we prepare to hear the gospel. Thank you for coming this morning, and I would like to dismiss all the children for Sunday school right in the back. Good morning. My name is Griselda. Good to have you guys here. I'm on staff here at MPI. You guys excited for church this morning? Amen. Why don't you guys open up your Bibles to Acts 4.12. I want to share Jesus with you. I want to share Jesus. I stand here before you this morning because I've been saved. I've been saved. I've been transformed. God touched my life six years ago, never to be the same again. I didn't know I needed him. Maybe you're in this room and you don't know how much you need Jesus, but I didn't know how much I needed him. I could have cared less if he was real or not because I had lived a life that was about myself and just wanting to have a good time. Maybe you guys have been there before. And on April 8, 2007, I gave my life to Christ because he's after the preaching of the gospel. He touched my heart, and I couldn't deny his existence. I could not deny the fact that I was a sinner, that he was righteous, and I was not, and I was nowhere near him. And on April 8, 2007, I gave my life to the Lord because someone told me that Jesus died for me. Someone told me Jesus died for my sins to take away my sins. And then I would have eternal life. I wasn't good enough. And the truth is, none of us are good enough. The Bible says that there's no one righteous, not even one. That's me, that's you, that's your children. This morning, I'm here to let you know what it says here in Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus Christ knows your name. He knows the depths of your heart. He knows the things that you worry about. He knows the pains. He knows your struggles. He knows your sins, the sins that you like. And he's saying, I can take all of that. That punishment that you deserve for that sin, I will take all that. I'll take your filthy sin in exchange for my righteousness. Today I stand here good enough because he's made me good enough. Amen. And he can do the same thing for you. The Bible tells us that tomorrow is not promised. And there might be people in this room that have heard the gospel so many times. And you've gotten used to it. 
Maybe your heart has even gotten hard towards it. But I want you to know that God has not given up on you. Amen. You're here this morning because God has not given up on you. The Bible says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for his people. He knows you by name. And today I invite you to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to the King. Amen. There's a purpose that he has for your life that you will not know until you come to Christ. And you've been searching. Let me tell you, you came to the right place this morning because Jesus is going to meet you right where you are. Amen. Won't you guys please stand up to your feet with me? God's got amazing things planned for you this morning. And I want to pray that if you don't know him, that there would be just a little bit of faith that would arise. And as the Holy Spirit knocks on your heart, that you would open it up, that you would let the pride just fall down. As you've been saying, I don't need religion, I don't need a God. That your heart would just open up and melt away all the hardness, the coldness that has surrounded us. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you that there's mercy and grace found in you. We thank you for your love, dear God. That because you loved the world, you gave your one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life i pray for faith this morning to arise i pray that those who are lost would believe would trust would rely on you in the work that you did on the cross in jesus name and i pray for disciples to arise that would change the world around them disciples who would pick up their cross and follow you in jesus name we pray amen if you prayed that prayer this morning in your heart, we have some prayer workers right over here, Lauren and Jared, who would love to pray with you. And just, if you want to get mentored, they will help you get connected, you know, to us, to the life groups, and to mentorship. Amen? And right now, we're going to take some time to recite our confession of faith. I don't know about you, but I get excited when I recite this. All right? I get excited when I declare these by faith and I speak out loud into these statements that declare God's word. It's the principles of the Bible that we stand on, we live by, and we believe they apply to the entire world. So if you would like a copy of this, please raise your hand. And if we have one right over here. And we're going to recite this on the count of three together. And I want you to get excited, amen? I want you to get excited as we read it. On the count of three, one, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Come on. That is powerful. Why don't you guys take the next few moments to fellowship. If you need prayer, Lord and Jared are there for you.
and welcome to Metro Praise International this morning. Who's excited to be here? Make some noise. Woo! Amen. Welcome here with us to Metro Praise. My name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. We are excited that you joined us for service. How many of you guys just love meeting with God in that worship time? It's powerful, isn't it? God is so good. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and every Fridays at 7 p.m. We have our youth group that gathers together. Elevate! And so they're just rocking it out for Jesus. So please, we invite you to come to both Friday nights. It's for 11 to 18. And God is moving in Chicago in this church. And we are just so thankful that you all are a part of it. Amen. We want to do something special at this time. We would love to honor our veterans at this part of our service. So if there's anybody here that has served in the military or is currently serving in the military, if you can please stand up to your feet. As I call Ishmael up here. Maybe there's nobody present at this time, but we know that Nick in our church, Nick Aldridge, has served in the military. So we're going to have Ishmael just pray for all the veterans represented, obviously, whether they're not here or in our nation. And before you pray and bless them, can you please read that poem? And I actually have it here for you as well. All right, give it up for America and our veterans. Amen. If it's okay, can I say a few words before I... Thank you. Amen. You know, I just love this country, and um, I just love people that are willing to serve our country. And they're not just serving a country and an idea of a, of a nation. They're, they're serving us. Amen. We're, we're only free individually because of individuals. Amen. Individuals have given their lives for our freedom. And, you know, and this it's not even cool anymore to be patriotic. And I think that's lame. I think we should be the most patriotic people because we've been given a precious gift from God, I believe, which is freedom. And men that have been willing to lay down their lives for them. And I wish there was a veteran here, amen. So I feel like praying for somebody. So if you're... If you are a first responder, a police officer, a fireman, just come on, just please, just come here. We're going to pray as a representative. So, Ricky, if you're the only guy, you're sorry, buddy. Come on up here, bud. We'll wait for you. <laughs> Let's just give the Lord a hand clap and our veterans a hand clap. Let's just stand up to our feet right now. I'm going to read this poem. <laughs> Thanks, Ricky. It is the veteran, this is the name of the poem, it is the veteran, not the preacher, who has given us freedom of religion. It is the veteran, not the reporter, who has given us free freedom of the press. It is the veteran, not the poet, who has given us freedom of speech. It is the veteran, not the campus organizer, who has given us the freedom to assemble. It is the veteran, not the lawyer, who has given us the freedom or the right of a fair trial. It is the veteran, not the politician. Come on, somebody. Amen. It is the veteran, not the politician, who has given us the right to vote. Heavenly Father, just lift up your hands right now all over this place. We're going to pray for our veterans. Lord God, whether in peacetime or in wartime, whatever facet of the military they're in, Lord God, we lift up our veterans in America, and we thank you first, God. Thank you for them. Thank you for men willing to sacrifice their lives for our freedom. Citizen soldiers bearing it all, God, because they believe in the liberties and freedoms that you have given us, God. 
Father God, I pray for every veteran in America. Father God, that they may know you, that they may be filled with love, the only love that comes from you, God. Father God, and our first responders and policemen that are also out there protecting us, willing to lay down their lives for the sake of our, our community. God, we lift them up right now, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. And God bless America. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. We have some fun and exciting announcements coming up. Our first announcement is Brother Anthony and Sister Melanie. They are coming next Sunday. Please mark it in your calendar, November 17th. We are doing our ordination service. We take this very seriously at MPI, ordaining new pastoral staff, elders, and deacons. So it's going to be an exciting time, powerful time with them here. They are very dear to us. So please bring your loved ones, invite all of your friends. We want this to be packed and just an exciting time of honoring those who have served among us. Amen. And then the week after that, November 24th, just about two Sundays from now, we're doing our baptisms. Who's excited about our baptisms? Come on with our brand new baptismal tank right here in the front. It is going to be awesome. God is moving and there are so many people that have gotten saved ready to give their lives to Jesus and just this dedication, this proclamation before the world since, you know, our last baptism. So please invite your friends. Let's get excited about that. And if you need more information, please see your life group leader. And then our Thanksgiving outreach just right around the corner, uh, uh, November 28th, Thanksgiving morning. We're meeting here at 930 so that we can go to the west side and just help a ministry there, a church there, just feed the people in the community and just show some Thanksgiving love. So if you are in the mood to show them some Thanksgiving love, please join with us and let's go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen. Here, and at this time, we want to call up Lawrence. So if Lawrence can please come on up, let's give it up for him. He's going to make a fun and exciting announcement. Amen. How's everybody doing today? Good. Awesome. All right. Well, today talking to you guys about this conference called One Thing. It's happening the four days leading up to New Year's. It's hosted by a, a ministry called the International House of Prayer, IHA. Not the pancake house, although I could use some pancakes right now. Um, anyways, they're a great ministry based in loca uh, located in Kansas City, Missouri. And it's based off of like 24-7 prayer and worship. Great, awesome ministry. has blessed me a lot. Actually, the song, uh, one of the songs we were singing today, uh, Shekinah Glory, that song actually was birthed from IHOP, and a couple others, you are worthy of it all, holy. So they have a great worship ministry out there. But anyway, um, it's, like I said, four days leading up to New Year's. Um, uh, I'm going out there with a couple of the youth from Elevate and a couple other uh, leaders here. And it's about $80 if you want to join us. Um, I've been going for the last four or five years, and God just been really moved. God really moved in my life because of this conference and really touched me. Um, and uh, obviously, if you don't want to come with us, you know, you can make your own arrangements and go by yourself. But it, again, it's a really amazing conference. Uh, and if you would want more information, if you'd like to know more about IHOP, whatever, um, please come to me, talk to me. Uh, I'd love to uh, tell you more about it. Actually, um, I'm going to have Adam and Stephanie come up, because they were with me last year. So they have a couple of cool testimonies, and it'll only take about 10 seconds. Really short. But uh, yeah. So Adam, summarize what you experienced at one point last year in a very short time. Okay. So, so like, like I was there, right? And like, we're standing up there worshiping. You know, it's like so many people that are worshiping to God, right? And so, so like, I was standing there, I'm going to worship Jesus. So, so I'll get out there, and um, all, the, all of a sudden, I hear like, speaking in tongues, I'm like, wow, 
so it, it's like a crowd. The chair around this guy in like a wheelchair, right? So they're, they're praying. I go over there, I pray. So, long story short, we prayed. The guy stood up and walked around the whole arena. So, so oh yeah, man, it was it was awesome to see how God moved, and it, it really encouraged me because God can move like that here in Chicago and all across America. So, whoo, come on. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Well, um, my testimony is just uh, being out there was definitely very inspiring and encouraging just to see other believers just go after God just passionately. It just uh, kind of gives you more of a flame in your own heart to just go after God more in His presence. And um, it's actually been significant for me because uh, not too long ago I had lost my brother a week after being at the conference. So everything that I gained at the conference, I feel like God has prepared me to to just pull through and continue just serving him. Awesome. So, like I said, I'm kind of nervous right now, so my words are a little bit jumbled. But uh, please come to me after the thing. Man, let's give it up for them. So this is December 28th through the 31st, $80, Kansas City, Missouri. Talk to Lords for more details. Amen. God is doing awesome things. Our vision here at MPI is loving God and loving people. We do that with everything inside of us. Our discipleship strategy is threefold, connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to Jesus through our life groups. On your handout is a schedule of this quarter's, uh, you know, dates and times of our life groups. And just to give you a snippet of what's going on just this week at MPI, we'd like to do that for you every week here. Um, it's coming up. The first thing we have going on tonight is Encounter Night. Every single Sunday we have Encounter Night happening from 5 to 7. If you want more of Jesus, you want to just experience his presence on a new level, you want to go deep, meet here with Vanessa, Pastors Vanessa, Chris, and um, Pastor Vanessa and Chris Vitali every Sunday night. And then we also have King's Kids every Wednesday as our life group here for infant to 11 years old. So if you know any children, Wednesday night is a life group just for them. 6.30 to 8, you can drop them off. Go do some errands, or you can stay here with them. But Pastor Susie and the team is doing a phenomenal job. We have Royal Rangers and Impact, kind of like a Christian Girl Scout, Boy Scout type of thing. And God is just doing awesome things there. Every Friday night, we have our adult Bible study. It happens at Pastor Berto and Griselda's house. Somebody wants to make some noise. Happens every Friday night at their house. And God is just moving there, touching lives. And um, I believe that's 7 to 8.30 p.m. weekly. Saturday evangelism every week from 5 to 8. Meet Deanna here with the team. They go out, preach the gospel in power, signs, wonders, and miracles following the preaching of the gospel every week. And sidewalk counseling, is that happening this Saturday, Jared? It happened yesterday. Okay, so here we are. This is our schedule. I think I was right on track. We got Sunday. And then, oh, Single Mama's Life Group today. Come on, make some noise. And I think I got it all, right? Yes. And of course, Elevate. So the ones I missed for this week, Single Moms is also happening tonight. And that is at 5 o'clock. And this coming Saturday, Elevate's life group. Come on, awesome. If you're a teenager, make some noise for that. Amen. And then we want to uh, connect you through mentoring you. 
And what, the way we do that here at MPI is through our 101 book, Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders ready to take you through that. And then disciples that make disciples a leadership class to train you to be a leader. Then we want to send you out in evangelism to preach to other people about the cross of Jesus and how it's changed your life. And then our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that, say amen. Come on, by God's grace and power, we can do it. And we're so excited that each and every one of you are a part of that vision. So let's keep going out and getting more. There are so many lost people. There's 7 million people in the city of Chicago. We're asking for 100,000. How many of you guys believe that God is a mighty God and can save souls in our city? Chicago needs Jesus. The nations need Jesus. And every single one of us has a part to play in that. Amen? So let's go out and preach the gospel and live a life of a disciple. Come on. Amen. This, um, let's get ready to uh, please uh, give our tithes and offerings at this time. If you could please turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs 11.24. How many of you guys love offering time? It's a blessing, isn't it? We thank every single person in this room that has partnered with us to be a faithful tither and offering um, that gives offerings to the Lord because we cannot do it without you. And when it comes to God's economy, giving is a way of prospering amen which is what we're going to get into right now in this passage proverbs eleven twenty four. one person gives freely yet gains even more another person withholds unduly becomes to poverty and what this is talking about is making an investment into god's kingdom see in god's economy generosity determines prosperity when you give you get and this is not the type of message where we say, hey, put $100 in this bucket and you're going to get a million dollars tomorrow. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about faithfulness to Jesus. Faithfulness and what he's given to you to give back and put in and invest into his economy. And because when, when we learn about God's kingdom and how, it, and how it works, one must give in order to gain. You reap what you sow. So if you sow little, you're going to reap little. If you sow much, you're going to reap much. So let's be generous in our giving. Let's not withhold unduly what actually belongs to Jesus. Amen. And what we believe here at MPI that the Bible teaches is that 10% is an offering to God that you give 10% of your total income. That belongs to Jesus. And then an offering is anything above that that we designate towards building and missions fund. So if you have $600 paycheck for that week, $60 belongs to the Lord. And when we do that faithfully, we see God being faithful to us because when we can trust him in finances, which is such a tough thing for us sometimes, it's like, man, do I really have to give that $60? That's kind of what I'm short from my light bill. That's kind of what I'm short in my grocery bill this week. Put God first in your finances. Be generous in your giving, and God will move on your behalf. Amen? Please stand up with me this morning as we recite this scripture verse together and prepare to pray and give. God is good. He's so good. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. God, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for your word that changes our life. 
and we trust you with our finances. We put you first, God. We bring our tithe. We bring our offering before you. May it come up to you, God, as a sweet aroma. May you be pleased, God, with our giving. I pray for every single person here. I pray that you would bless them and prosper them. Meet their needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Open doors of employment. Bring raises. God, shift things around for their favor because they've put you first, God. And we just trust you in all that you're doing in this church that you would meet MPI's budget this month above and beyond. We know, Lord Jesus, that the nations are on your heart and we want to partner with you, Jesus, in all that we do to see souls saved for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Please come forward as you give this morning. Amen. If you love Jesus, can I get an amen? Amen. Welcome again to Metro Praise International. Open up your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We're in a series, Heroes of the Faith. And I am just so excited to be speaking on this because I've been encouraged this uh, month by writing the devotional. So if you haven't got the devotionals yet, check them out, lifechangingdevotions.com, or go to the website, mpichurch.org, and you can see daily devotions this whole month for heroes of the faith. How many remember if you were brought up in church going to Sunday school and hearing the Bible stories? Amen. Weren't those exciting? You know, as I was writing these lessons, I have been feeling that same excitement again, that sense of like, God, can you do it again? Oh, God, that would be cool. I would like to see that. I want to believe this month that we're going to live the life of faith just like these people in the Bible did. Now, you may not want to go into a lion's den to see God, you know, clothe the mouth of a lion, but you might find yourself in a tough situation, and you've got to be ready to do what Daniel did, and that's call upon the Lord. Some of you here, you may be able to relate to someone like David that's fighting against a battle. Well, you know what? David won the battle. David defeated the giant. How many giant slayers do I have in this place? I mean, do we still believe it? Do we still believe what the Bible says? Do we still believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? I know in our world of, you know, 3D movies, we can get like so like enamored with Thor and Transformers that when we go back and read this story about David and Goliath, it sounds like lame. It's like, oh. He just, he just took a, a rock and just knocked him out. Oh, he, he didn't fly from the sky, drop some bombs on him, fly him back up to the moon or whatever Iron Man did in that one. Uh, uh, you know, who was that one with Iron Man? He flew into a time warp place. Uh, 
Avengers, yeah. You know, like Iron Man, he flies into a, a, a wormhole, and then he ends up in another universe, and he sends the nuclear bomb there, and it kills the aliens. You know, it's like all of a sudden you're just reading the Bible, and it's like, David, he had a slingshot. <laughs> It's like, how do you make that 3D? You know, how do you make it? You know, you know, how do you do that? But I'm telling you, see, that stuff is make-believe. That did not happen. But David and Goliath did happen. And there's a place, it's really cool, there's a church that's on the highway, uh, Highway 37, that we always take on my way home to Fort Wayne, Indiana. Jerry and some of the others were with them. We were traveling there to do an outreach. They have a life-size statue of a replica of what David, uh, how tall Goliath would be. You remember that, Julian? And, man, I stood next to that Goliath, and I am telling you, it would take some faith to face him with a slingshot. I would rather be Iron Man in that suit flying with the nuclear bomb through a wormhole than to be David, this young boy standing before a nine-foot-tall warrior. And it happened. And when you look at the Bible, these stories happen. And I preface this series, Heroes of the Faith, with this encouragement because so often we uh, say we believe, but down deep in our heart we really don't believe. Because we'll, we'll say something like, well, that happened for them. That's never happened in my life. You know, God, he's probably changed. He wouldn't do that for somebody like me. You know, how many, don't raise your hand, but how many would be honest, we face that kind of doubt. We face that kind of doubt like, you know, God, you know, you, you spared this man, but you know what? I don't see you helping me. I don't see you coming to my aid. I see the giant taking over my job, the economy. I see, you know, bad things happening. I don't see good people winning. I don't see true heroes. God is looking for people of faith. Do you know that during those times, there was always more people afraid to do the right thing than there was people standing by faith to do? Uh, they were, there was more people afraid than there were people standing by faith. When you look at that story of David and Goliath, there was an army of people that heard what Goliath was saying, and they were all afraid. It was just one boy who said, I'm not afraid. Will you be that person? When you look at Daniel in the lion's den and also his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were four Israelites who were taken from the land of Israel and brought to Babylon, and they were then made to worship those Babylonian gods. But it only mentions four of the young men that were taken there that stood up against the king of Babylon. What that gives us as an understanding is there was probably 10, 20,000 young men that had no problem bowing down to idols, had no problem eating defiled food for the Jewish diet. They had no problem doing that. But David, uh, excuse me, but Daniel and his three friends, they didn't do it. So if you find yourself in a place where nobody around you is standing up in faith and you find yourself really afraid to stand up on God's word and you at the same time have to battle inner doubts and fears to trust God to see if he is who he really is, you're in the perfect place to see what these heroes of the faith saw. 
When you look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not bow down to the idol. And the king said, if you don't bow down, we're going to throw you into a fiery furnace. And they said, listen, king, we'll get thrown in that fiery furnace. And if our God saves us, that's great. If he doesn't save us, that's great. But let it be known to you, we're still not bowing down to this idol. You can throw us in there. I just want to know, is there people like that today in this church, in this culture, that will have that kind of faith? You'll say, you know what? I believe God heals. Yep, I believe it. I'm one of those crazy folks. I, I believe that God can heal. But if he doesn't, I'm going to go meet him anyway. I'll still pray. I'll still believe. I won't give up my faith. You could be, think about this. You know that in the Bible, there's what's called an intertestamental period from the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, to the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, okay? There's about 400 years of time period that's missing there in the Bible. And during that time, the Bible says that there wasn't any word of the Lord. There wasn't really any manifestation of his power. Now imagine you're living in that time period and you've got a Bible that talks about Moses parting Red Seas, Elijah going to heaven on a chariot of fire. You have a book that the entire thing is supernatural, but you're living in a time where you've never seen it. What do you do? The Jewish people, they passed down their traditions. They said to their children, imagine, you know, day one of this 400-year period. I mean, you didn't know how long it was going to last, but you say to your children, children, you may not see God's fire by night and cloud by day. You may not see the, the mountain thunder like it did with Mount Sinai and Moses. You might not see the Jordan River split like it did with Joshua and in the times of Jericho, the walls come down. But God did it. God did it. God did it for our ancestors. And he'll do it again. Don't disbelieve. Put your trust in God. And imagine then your dad dies, and then you carry it on to your children. It's a little bit harder now to tell the story. You, you know, you weren't around when those kind of things were happening. You just heard the story. But then you teach it to your children. My dad taught me that there was a fire by night, a cloud by day. There was a man named Daniel in the lion's den, and God shut the lions. There was a time when, when uh, uh, Jacob saw a ladder to heaven and angels descending and ascending. There were those times. I haven't seen it, but God did it. And then another generation passes, a hundred years, then another hundred years. But you're just faithfully telling the story with no signs and wonders. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and signs and wonders and miracles start happening. And people point back and say, this is what my great-great-grandpa used to talk about. God hasn't forgotten us. God is still moving. It just wasn't when we thought he was. It just wasn't happening the way we thought it was supposed to happen. Now you're here today. And some of us, we can trace back our church history to the early time of, of uh, Azusa Street. What God was doing, speaking in tongues, tongues of fire coming upon them. Signs and wonders and miracles. In the early 1900s in Los Angeles on a street called Azusa Street, these people were meeting there and God started doing miracles, growing out limbs. People started having supernatural ability to speak languages they had never learned. Some of them went to mission, uh, were missionaries to those very countries and spoke those languages supernaturally. And now today, you may be looking back on that and say, man, well, I've never seen a limb grow out. I've never seen somebody get up out of a wheelchair. I've never seen that happen. But I want to tell you, it's happened. It has happened. God has moved in power. And he'll do it again. He'll do it again. 
miracles and life transformation. These kinds of things don't happen by accident. They happen when a person of faith comes in agreement with the God of heaven and earth. When you come in line with the God of heaven and earth, things begin to change. So the Bible talks about God is looking for people upon this earth who will have faith. Who today will stand up on their job and say, I believe in Jesus and he's the answer for this company. Yeah, you may get ridiculed. You may get told that that was a dumb idea, but no one can stop you on your lunch break from having prayer meetings and saying, God, we can't trust this economy right now, but we can trust you. And we ask you to get our back in this company. We ask you, God, to give us the customers, give us the ingenuity. You can do it. High school students here, college students, who's going to go back to their campus or their high school and say, I have an answer for gangs and violence. I have an answer for what's destroying the youth of this country. It's God who wants to meet me at the pole every morning. We'll pray at the pole every morning before school and say, God bless this school. Put your angels around this school. Take violence out of the heart. Let what is good be exalted and what is bad be condemned. Let people have discerning minds to know what is good and evil in this school. Who will dare to do it? You know, a high school student might go to that poll and just pray and say, well, I'm just all by myself. Nobody met me at the poll Monday morning, you know, so, so God must not care about this school. But if another person goes to that poll and says, God, I'm just going to pray around this poll just every morning. I'm just going to be faithful. I'm just going to pray five minutes before class starts. God, be with this school. Protect this school. What if, what if God does a miracle? What if God did something like he did in the time of David? He knocks out the giant of gangs. What if the teachers began to see a, a, a lessening of violence, a lessening of perversion, and they can attribute it back to the prayers of someone around that pole? Would it be worth being ridiculed by the world to stand up in faith by God on God's terms? What about somebody here with their family saying, God, we're not going to get a divorce. We're not going to let our children go the way of this world and just look at money and career as what motivates them. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And it doesn't matter if the kids are teenagers. It doesn't matter if they're on Miley Cyrus, Little Wayne. But every day you have a dinner together. You have a time of prayer together. And you lay your hands on your children. You speak words of life over them and say, I bless them. I encourage them. Lord, protect them. Use them. Multiply them. Give them wisdom. And what if you lived your family life, and it's not saying perfect on Yellow Brick Road, but let's say God kept your family. Your children grew up and married godly men and women. They had a godly home. Would that not make you as a parent say to God, thank you? Thank you for delivering my children from the fire of this world, the idolatry. Thank you for making them like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You kept them safe. How many want to be encouraged today? Amen. Turn with me to that passage, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Today we're going to be talking about Enoch and Deborah, two great people of the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. This passage of Scripture is known as the Hall of Faith. The writer of Hebrews is just giving it to them so strong that they cannot walk away from this chapter the same way. They have to make a decision by the end of this chapter. Am I going to have faith in God or am I going to say this is make-believe? And it's the same thing with you. When you read this chapter, I don't have time to read it all today, you are going to be at a point of decision. 
It is like God is on trial and you're going to judge him whether or not he's a man of his word or he is a liar. Now we know, of course, we have no authority over God, so what we say doesn't really matter to him. But in one sense, it matters to us. So you could say it like this, your faith is on trial. Will you take God at his word or will you just chalk this up as make-believe? Listen to the first verse. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what, about what we do not see. Let me read again. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. This is how God commended them and rewarded them. Why? Because they were people of faith. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Now look at, he, look at the author here, and as he begins to draw you into their stories, to encourage you, let this encourage you today. By faith, Abel brought, a, brought God a better offering than Cain. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Keep going, verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now go to verse 7. By faith, Noah, when he was warned about things yet not seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. How many want to build a God ark in your house to save your family? How many want to build the things of God in your house to save your family? Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. How many here want to have faith like Abraham? And when God says, I want to move you over here, you obey and go. By faith, he did the things that he did. You go on down to, the, to, the, uh, to verse 17. By faith. When God tested him, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Would you, would you be willing to sacrifice something good that God gave you? You know that for me to come into the ministry, I didn't just sacrifice being a drug addict, you know, because that was what I was, and high school dropout. No, when I came into the ministry, I had to sacrifice dreams of becoming rich, making a lot of money. Those are good things. I had to sacrifice the dream of becoming a lawyer, an airplane pilot. These are the things that I would want to do, you know, if I could. But I had to sacrifice those things. And then for the call of God, the Lord didn't call me to reach the suburban city of Fort Wayne. He called me to live in New Orleans, predominantly African-American city, almost all in poverty in the areas that I was in. I worked in nine different housing projects. You want to talk about sticking out like a sore thumb. When people would see me there, they would say, you the pastor? And I'd be like, yeah, baby, I'm the pastor. You don't look like no pastor, baby. And I'm like, this is the pastor. I'm the pastor. And I'm telling you, that's what it was like. I was 22 years old with long flowing hair. Can I braid your hair, pastor? They would braid my hair. God told me to do that. Let me ask you something. What if God told you to sacrifice your job and take another job that paid less, but he wanted you to do that? Would you be willing to? What if God told you to sacrifice where you live to live in somewhere smaller so you could give away more? Have you ever thought about all the money you have if it really all belongs to you? When was the last time you looked at that paycheck and said, God, really, how much of this is mine? 
What if God said to you, oh, only 30% of it's yours. I want you to give the other 70% away. I want you to be a conduit for my blessing. Now, you might say, well, well, God, you gave me this job. You gave me this money. That's what Abraham could have said back to God about Isaac. You gave me Isaac. But God said, yeah, but I want Isaac back now. I want Isaac back. I want what you value most. What if God, you know, Christmas is coming up. We got teenagers here. Whatever this young man wants, whatever you want. Imagine your parents get it for you, the new PlayStation, the new Xbox. And then you wake up that morning and God says, I want you to give it away. But God, this is what I wanted. My parents got it for me. No, I want you to give away that new Xbox to your next door neighbor. I'm not talking about giving away shoes that you don't wear no more, clothes that you can't fit into no more. I'm not talking about giving away stuff that you don't really want. Abraham was asked by God to sacrifice his only son. Now, I don't know about you here, but I got a son, and I can only imagine what that would feel like to hear that from God. Yet he was willing to say, okay, God, you want my best? I'm going to give you my best. Keep on going. By faith, Isaac, look at verse 20, blessed Jacob and Esau regarding their future. By Jacob, when he was dying, he blessed Joseph. And the stories go on. Verse 23, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because uh, he was no ordinary child. Do you know that in China they have a law that says you can only have one child? They have had over 300 abortions in China because there's a law that you can only have one child. And do you know who they slaughter the most in that nation over the last 40 years? Girls. What if you lived in the nation of China right now? We're not talking about make-believe. But what if right now you live there and you're having your second child? The government only allows you to have one. Would you have faith to stand up and say, I will not murder this child? They have to arrest me. They're going to have to do whatever they're going to do. But I am not giving up this child to be aborted. I will not do that. I will lose my freedom. I will lose everything. But I will stand on this principle that this child is worth the life. That it is determined to live. He or she is determined to live. See, a lot of times we put, our, we, we put these uh, heroes of the faith in a place where we can never go. It's like we look at Moses' parents there. You know, Pharaoh is ordering all the male boys to be thrown into the Nile to be eaten up by alligators, to be murdered. And we look at the parents like all of a sudden what they had to have to do that. They must have had the angel Gabriel come down. Oh, Give them like some magic potion to drink. Now listen, Moses is really special, and so you're going to have to save him at the pains of you possibly getting killed and caught. But here, drink this. You'll become really faithful then. Here, hurry up. Shoot this up in your body. You're going to become like steroid man. What was in Moses' parents' mind and heart that they could hear an edict of a government that had the power to kill them just at the spoken word, what would make them so bold and courageous to say, I'm going to keep my child, and you ain't taking my child from me, and I'm going to hide this child, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. Somebody say faith. Are you willing to do that, parents, with entertainment? No, child, you can't watch that. You cannot watch that. If you watch that, this will defile you. You put that into your eyes, into your heart. This will defile you. I will guard you. 
I don't care if they ridicule me. I don't care what they say about me. They call me an old fundamental parent. I don't care. But I'm going to keep you from things in this world. How many parents have enough courage to be made fun of by other parents, to be ridiculed by this society because you want to guard what your children listen to, what they watch on TV, and what video games they play? Now, I'm not naming any names because I believe every parent needs to make that decision for themselves. I do believe there's some obvious ones, but I think parents need to make that decision for themselves. But are you willing to be courageous? Now look at the next one, Moses, because i got to preach some of these before I preach the ones i got today. Amen? Now look at Moses right here. See, some people don't know the full story of Moses, but look at verse 25. He, talking about Moses, chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Somebody say sin is pleasurable. Come on, somebody say, mm, -mm, -mm it's good. Come on. You see, you know what you like to do as sin, and you know it's pleasurable. I'm not going to do the example that I normally do, but there are some sins to you that are not pleasurable. If somebody walked up to you right now and they said, here's, here's uh, you know, cocaine, do it. You'd be like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that at all. But if somebody all of a sudden like put big hooters on the, on the TV screen and said, take a look, you'd be fighting it like you were a crack addict. Are you listening to me? Come on, let's just keep it real. Somebody say, keep it real. And some of you are like, no, pastor, I'm so beyond pornography. I'm so beyond uh, heroin. You know what? God says, give me your tithe, and you won't give them your tithe. Greed will tempt you so much. God says, test me with 10%. Test me with 10% of your money. And you're like, no, I can't test you with 10 I can't. I can't trust you with 10%. God, you created the whole universe. You could do anything you want. But I just don't think you'll take care of me on 90%. So I have to take 100% and keep it all to myself. Why? Because we're greedy. Can't trust God. And greed is so pleasurable. You know how you are when you get that paycheck. You know how it is when you get that bonus. And if you don't put God first, you are a greedy person. You're a person that says, all about me. Oh, yeah, I've been wanting to get that new, new dress. I've been wanting to get that new car. I've been wanting to move into that new house. Whether it's greed, whether it's sexual sin. For others of us, the pleasure of just gossiping. Some people, you cannot stop gossiping. They just love to gossip. You know why they love to gossip so much? Because it's pleasurable for them. You get them alone with somebody, they're going to have to talk about everybody they know. Listen, listen, let me tell you this. I know this about so-and-so. And don't tell them, but i got to tell you this. And it just feels so good to them. If they don't get on Facebook and tell everybody, if they don't call up their friends, they don't feel right. I might be talking about people in another church, but I know there's somebody that's like them. I don't know if that person showed up today. There's other people here that you just love the pleasure of idolatry. You love being in control of your life, and the idol of your life is you. You do what you want to do. You don't have to answer to nobody. I'll never forget the feeling that I had when I first backslid as a young man. See, when I was a kid at 8 years old and I got baptized, I really didn't know Jesus. I was doing it for my parents, so I kind of just kept living the same life. 
But around the age of 15, I gave my life to the Lord, and I really understood, like, I need to stop living this way, and I need to start living his way. And I began to live for him. And my youth pastor, he baptized me. I remember getting baptized on a Sunday night, and I was just like, yeah. You know, I was like one of those Spartan guys, like, yeah. I was like on fire for Jesus, man. I love I loved the Lord so much. And I, I just realized, like, okay, there's things I can't do anymore. And I remember watching some of my friends, and my friends would be like, you know, going out after on you know school on Friday because as a teenager when you're in school like Fridays is like it's just everything to you does anybody know what I'm talking about some adults still live like they're teenagers you know but anyways living for the weekend man so it's like Friday I gotta do this this and that and, and I just I just remember I'll be honest with you there was that sense of pain like I'm not gonna do that I'm restricted from that and I knew what they were going to do was pleasurable oh they're gonna go get high because you know weed is good if you like weed if you're a person that likes weed there's nothing like weed you try to give somebody come on i got one person gonna be real with me today those weed heads in here you know what i'm talking about you don't want anything i just oh, i'm feeling good man give me a little ganja i'm straight just once you like weed you have to stay i didn't get high i lived high you know, weed heads know what I'm talking And it would just be so pleasurable. And then there, I want to be honest with you. I want every young person to look up at me here. I had sex with eight different people, I guess. I guesstimate eight different people. I can only remember one of their names. I caught two sexually transmitted diseases. I was out of my mind at most times. I have a scar on my leg from when we were high, and then we added alcohol to it. And then that's just when you start doing dumb stuff. I was drunk and high, and my friend's like, let's go break into gas stations. And I'm like, where? He's like, out in the country. They don't have security systems. So we literally go to some countrified gas station. He throws a brick through the window, and he says, now kick it down. And I'm like, okay, stupid, I'll do it. And I kick it, and the, my foot slips right on the glass, and the glass goes right up into my leg. Had to take off my shirt, wrap it around my leg like I was in Vietnam. Medevac me, man. Get me out of here, dude. He's driving me to the hospital. I want to tell you, so I did some of the dumbest things that I'll ever, that I, I, I regret. But I want you to listen to me. Those times also brought pressure. And I remember as a 15-year-old, my youth pastor could see that I was wavering as a Christian now between what the world was offering me and what church was offering me. And we got into a fight one day, me and the youth pastor, we got into a fight. And I'll never forget, it. I just threw up my hands and I go, dude, I am done with this then. And I went out and got high with my friends. And I'll never forget that sense of relief that I had that day. See, somebody like, man, did you feel bad? No, I didn't feel bad till years later because you see the pleasure that I absorbed that day. I said to myself, now I can cuss again. I don't got to worry about not cussing. Now I can smoke and do drugs again. I don't have to worry about doing, you know, being a good kid. I can lie to my parents again. I'm tired of telling them the truth. And I'm telling you that story because you look at this right here. Moses had a choice in verse 25. He could be mistreated or he could enjoy the pleasures of sin. You see, sometimes you have got to take away the treat from yourself that you think you deserve so that you can suffer and have less but serve God.
You may say, I've worked hard. I deserve to get drunk tonight. But God says, don't treat yourself out to that sin. No matter how good it feels, put me first. You may say, I've been a virgin all this time. I'm going to treat myself out to sex. We've been married all this time. I'm going to treat myself to an affair. You better mistreat your flesh for the things of God. You better mistreat your flesh for the things of God. See, it's real easy to say when Moses, here's the story, Moses was now brought up in Egypt because his parents spared him, sent him down the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter found him, raised him as an Egyptian in the palace. And now as a grown man, he understands his identity. I'm really not an Egyptian. I'm really a Jew. But the Jews are getting beaten, whipped, and mistreated. And the Egyptians are living the good life. He had to choose which one do I want to be. And we may look back on Moses once again thinking some angel gave him some, some drink or some type of bop on the head. Oh, you need faith for that, Moses? Just stand still. Okay, you got it? Now you go like some little, you know, like a wand. Boop. Like right there. Or like he was sleeping and like the tooth fairy of miracles came under his pillow. And he like he woke up. Oh, what is this under my pillow? Oh, it's a miracle. Oh, I'll eat it or something. Whatever he did. I don't know. No, Moses was just like you. Think about the last time you had the choice. I can give pleasure to myself and sin against God. Or I can mistreat my flesh and live for God. What did you do? You have faith? Let's be encouraged by a man who said, I'd rather live for God and mistreat my flesh. And then just keep on going down. By faith, verse 30, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, the prostitute, look at verse 31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Why do you think it said she was a prostitute? Why didn't it just say Rahab? You know why? Because some prostitute was going to walk into a church one day and wonder, does God still love me? And God said, hey, I got a son for you. Here's a prostitute. She did something awesome. She knew when to obey God. And you may not have been a prostitute, but you may have been something that you're ashamed of. Have you ever done something in life that you're ashamed of? That if I was to put it up on this screen right now, you would be ashamed in front of all these people that they would know you did that? Maybe you had an abortion. You're ashamed of it. Maybe you committed a crime. Maybe you disrespected your parents in such a way. Maybe you cheated on your spouse. Maybe you've stolen money from your company, lied on your taxes. And if we all knew the truth about you, you would be ashamed. You would hold down your head and say, don't know. Come on, don't nobody look at me now. I'm so embarrassed. The Bible put that in there to let you and I know that no matter who you used to be, you can start being the person God wants you to be right now. It doesn't matter who you used to be. It matters right now who you be, baby. Who do you want to be right now? That drug dealer, Joe, made the right decision in 95. Amen. That was me. That fornicating, cheating on his husband, man, made the right decision in 2013. Wherever you are, whoever you've been, you can make that right decision today. And now I look at verse 32. And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon. Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, the prophets, who through what? Through what? 
through faith, thank you, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised. Does anybody here believe God has given promises? Shut the mouths of lions, quench the fury of the flames, escape the edge of the sword, the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength. Does anybody's weakness here want to be turned into strength? Who became powerful in battle, routed foreign enemies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. And you think it was easy for them to be people of the faith? You think it's easy, as we talk about Enoch and Deborah today, to be easy? You think it was easy for them to be people of the faith? Look at what it says. There were others. Somebody say there were others. See, there were others whose names we don't even know. How many did we just name? Daniel, David, what, 20 of these guys? Women? Altogether 25? Do you know how many people, this, this book right here is written in 100 A.D. Do you know how much human history has already passed by the time this book was written? 4,000 years. What about all the others? Oh, yeah, there were others. And some of those others were tortured. Why? Refusing to be released so that they may gain an even better resurrection. That means there were people that were given the choice. You can live and deny your faith. Deny your faith. Listen to that. They still do it in nations right now. We got Christians captive under the regime, the Islamic rule in Iran, and they are torturing these men, and they are saying to these men and women, we will release you if you will deny the faith. But they didn't. Some faced jeers, flogging, even imprisonment and chains. They were put to death. Look at verse 38. The world was not worthy of them. Why? Go back up to verse uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Why was the world not worthy of these people? Because the world was created by God. And the world is... Uh, God blesses those in the world who live by faith. And when the people in this world did not respond or respect to that faith, God said they were better than the people they were living with. The world, the people they were around that abused them and treated them this way did not even deserve to have them in their presence. Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. When you stand before God, he's not going to commend you on your wishful thinking. He's not going to commend you on the hopes and dreams you just had in your heart. He is going to commend you on what you did for him by faith, on whether or not you obeyed his commands and did what he said. Are you ready for the message? Somebody say preach. Amen. Now let's talk about Enoch. Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 5, verses 22 and onward. Enoch, which means dedicated, was a mysterious person in the Bible. His entire life is only mentioned in three verses, starting in Genesis 5, 22. If you're there, say, I'm there. Amen. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years. Some teenagers can't even walk faithfully with God for one week. How long did this man walk faithfully with God? 300 years. Hello, somebody caught that. Youth, man up. Amen. I'm tired of seeing youth coming in and out of the church, in and out of 201. Come on, youth, get serious about God. 
Say I gave my high school years to the Lord. Say that you could give your college years to the Lord. There is no reason why you need to turn your back on God. And the people I look up to are the ones who did that. I look back at my friends now who stuck through it in high school, and I say, I wish I was like you. Everything that I accomplished in those years is now going to be burned up in God's sight. No good will come from those times in my life. Are you listening to me? I've lost those years. God now will give me better years. But there are my friends who kept their faith from the time of Sunday school to high school to college, and they will be commended by God just like the ancients were because they kept faith. Amen? Look at the verse 22. He walked faithfully with the Lord for 300 years. Enoch lived a total of 365 years. So, uh, you know, if, if he says walk faithfully with the God 300 years, he might have got saved at 65. So it don't matter when you get saved, be faithful to God. It doesn't matter how old you are when you decide that your feet are going to follow Jesus. Just don't ever put your feet in the opposite direction. Amen? Keep walking with God. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Second time you've heard that. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Isn't that amazing? I talked about this a little bit last week. This man is such a mystery in the Bible. The author of Hebrews also makes mention of Enoch in the New Testament as an example of great faith because he so pleased God that God took him up to heaven to be with him. Most scholars believe Enoch was an example of being raptured, meaning his physical body was transformed into a heavenly body and directly taken to heaven. The promise of this is for all of us in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and onward. Enoch was someone who most likely lived in a time when serving God was not popular because approximately just a hundred years later after his departure, Noah and his immediate family were the only righteous people on the earth. Think about that. Within a hundred years of Enoch's life, only eight people on the planet were doing what was obedient to God. Do you know the story of, uh, of Noah building the ark? It was him and his wife his three boys, and their three kids. That is eight people. And God said, you're the only one I can find down here. That's right. Some people estimate the population of Noah's day upwards to 10, 20 million. That means God killed that many people out of judgment. And some say that's so harsh. I think it's gracious that God even left any of the human race. He had given us so many chances up into that time. And what was the first thing we did after Adam and Eve were kicked out? A man killed his brother. You don't think you're any, please don't think you're any different than him. You probably would have done the same thing. You don't know what murder is. Your brother just got blessed. You didn't. How many here have ever suffered from jealousy? You could see what that could do in a culture where you didn't even know what murder was. Just anger, raw anger and emotion. And the Bible says they kept living this way, though he was giving them chances. So imagine... That during the time of Enoch, the people were idol worshipers going down this way of destruction, worshiping nature and their ancestry. But Enoch, the Bible says, was faithful to follow and walk with God. Thus we can assume either that Enoch lived in a time of spiritual decline or that Enoch was one that stood out among a remnant of people. As a result, Enoch, this man's name, who means dedicated, serves us as an example today as someone who walks faithfully with God regardless of his circumstances and situation. 
God doesn't want to bless us based on our own dreams and our own ideas. He wants to bless us by walking according to his plan and purpose for our life. The thing that we learned from Enoch today is that he did what pleased God. Do you want the faith of Enoch? Do you want to have faith to trust God and follow him even if people are not? then you have to hear God's commands and obey them. Does anybody here know a command of God that should be obeyed? Just give me a command that should be obeyed. Shout one out, please. Okay, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do that, and you'll be like Enoch. Give me another one. Don't lie. Does anybody here think not lying is a good thing? How many think lying is really cool and we should do it a lot? Anybody running for Congress here? Any politicians? Any governors? Hello? Give me another command. Don't covet. Give me another one. I didn't hear it. It's a shout out one. Love one another as yourself. Give me another one, please. Don't steal. How many think not stealing is a good thing? If you go through the Bible and you see a command, obey it. You'll be like Enoch. You will please God. You will walk with the Lord. Walking with God is not something that you can't do. Walking with God is something that all of us are commanded to do. We are commanded to walk with Him and not in the ways of this world. Turn to Psalms chapter 1 and then we'll talk about Deborah. Sometimes people think the commands of God are unachievable, that God just asks too much of us. What does He really expect? We're all just sinners anyways. How many have ever, don't have to raise your hand, but as you're turning to Psalm 1, verse 1, how many have ever really felt that way on the inside? God can't really expect me to obey his commands. I hear this all the time. I talk to people on the streets. Hey, have you been born again? No, I don't know what that is. Okay, well, it means to repent of your sins and come to Jesus. Well, I think I'm okay. Well, have you ever told a lie? Yeah, I've told a lie. What does that make you, a liar? Have you ever stole something? Yeah. And then I go through the whole law and I show them, you're breaking God's law. And you know the next thing out of their mouth is, instead of saying, oh, yeah, I get it. I break laws. I'm a sinner. I need to be born again. Do you know the next thing out of their mouth is? Well, everybody's a sinner. Come on. Do you get how people think? You know you've heard this before. You might have even thought it before. When you hear the commands of God, you make the excuse well, I'm just a sinner. He wouldn't expect me to keep these anyway. It's not true. God gives commands he expects to be kept because he knows they're for our benefit and the joy of our life. Not lying, not stealing, not coveting are for the benefit of our life. Those are things we don't do. Then there's things we're commanded to do. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know that by me loving God and loving my neighbor, I've become the greatest lover to my wife and to my children because I've understood what it means to be in a love relationship? When you ground your love in God, all the love you give towards your fellow man is actually beneficial towards your man. It, towards a fellow man if you don't ground your love in God then love can be defined as whatever you think it is there was a sicko woman that you just saw on the news who molested her child and child pornography for her husband that was in the military anybody see that that's why we should have death penalties are you listening 
You see, that's how she defined love in her sicko brain towards her husband. My husband's a pervert. He's asked me to molest my child on a video webcam. I'll do it for him. If you don't ground love in God, you can ground it in whatever your opinion of love is. So when God says, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he's not just saying, hey, you got love down pretty good on your own, but if you want to just love me a little bit, you'll be all right. No, what he's saying is, unless you come in a love relationship with me, you won't know how to love your spouse, your children, anybody around you. Now, of course, I use an extreme example, and you may say, well, I'm not a molesting wacko woman. You know, I'm not that bad. But in any way you divert from God's love is less than his best. And anyone here who has fallen in love with God and has loved him because he's first loved us and has his definition of love will tell you the love they have now as a Christian is incomparable to the love they had before. Anybody will testify about that who has served the Lord. If you're in Psalms 1, verse 1, say, I'm there. Thank you. Blessed is the one. Anybody want to be blessed here today? Amen. This is David writing. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Did Enoch walk with the wicked or did he walk with God? Who did he walk with? He walked faithfully with who? God. So that means you can't walk with the wicked and walk with God. So where are you walking today? Or stand in the way that sinners take. You know in life you're either walking, standing, or sitting. And lying down is a form of sitting. You're in three positions in your life. You're walking, standing, or sitting. The Bible says don't walk where the wicked go. Don't stand where sinners take. And don't sit in the company of mockers. Watch where you stand, walk, and sit. After this sermon, are you going to sit with mockers? You don't got to listen to that preacher. See, they're mocking. Don't sit with them. You're going to sit at your work table tomorrow with somebody? You, you don't choose who your coworkers are, but you choose what you do for lunch. You choose what you do for after-work activities. Find people on the job that encourage you to want to do the right thing. You sit down with the guy that mocks the boss. Oh, we don't got to listen to that dude. He's an idiot. I don't like my boss. You say to that employee, listen, do I look like a garbage dump? And they say no. They say stop dumping your garbage in me. I don't need to hear that. I like my job. I pray for my boss, and I want to be blessed. I don't walk where you walk, I don't stand where you stand, and I don't sit where you sit, baby. I'm a blessed man. I've made a decision to be like Enoch. That's my decision, amen? Praise God. How many are going to make that decision today to be blessed like Enoch? Somebody should have some faith and be inspired today, amen? Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, stand in the way that sinners take, sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Oh, I don't like the law of God. I don't like Ten Commandments. That's because you're a wicked, mocking sinner. Get born again, baby. Get born again, and you'll find out you love the law of God. Well, I went to the church. I've been prayed for by the pastor, but I still don't love the, the, the law. Then you got the fake, baby. You better get the real. Because everybody who's been born of God loves the law of God. Everybody. Everybody. 
That's how it works. Your heart is transformed. And that's how you can assure yourself in times of doubt. When you go, man, I don't feel safe today. I'm knocking on heaven's door and my prayers don't seem to get answered. I don't know if I'm saved. The Bible then says, check your heart. Do you love God and his word? Yeah, well, I, I love God and I love his word. You saved, baby. You're just going through a trial. You're just going through a test. Your heart can take confidence. You're on God's side. Your blessing may not be here, but your blessing's coming because because you delight in his word meditate on his law day and night this person is like a tree planted by streams of water who yields his fruit in season whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers you succeed and win because God is on your side it may come with you getting mocked and ridiculed and persecuted but you stand with God not so the wicked. You got a choice. That's right. I got a choice. You got a choice. Our president, uh, you know, from the White House to your house, everybody's got a choice. But here it is. You're blessed, you prosper, or you're the wicked, and you're like chaff that the wind blows away. Bill Gates, whew, judgment day. You're done. You're done. Little Wayne, whew, your kingdom's gone like dust. You ever hold dust in your hand? You ever dust the house and you don't want to get out the stuff and you just you just blow on it? That's the kingdoms of this world. That's America on Judgment Day. That's China on Judgment Day. That's your life on Judgment Day. That's Brock Lesnar on Judgment Day. The wicked, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assemblies of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. If you want to be like Enoch today, we'll talk about Deborah and them next week. If you want to be like Enoch, would you stand to your feet and give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Come on, let's walk faithfully with Jesus today. Band, would you come? Come on, let's praise him like we mean it this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Would you put back up Hebrews chapter 11, please? Oh, praise God. Enoch walked faithfully with God. 300 years. How many want that to be their testimony? I walked with God. Everybody here, look up, up, up at me, please. I want to ask you this in all seriousness. Those of you who are parents, you can already identify to this, but I want everybody to get this example. One day, should the Lord tarry and not come back in my lifetime, I'm going to die. And on that day, I'm going to be on a deathbed of some sort, should I get to die of old age. And my children are going to be there. Lucas, Bethany, Hannah, and about three more we got coming. One's already on the way. Two more by faith. Amen. Glad about six there. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Making babies is fun. It's real spiritual, too. That's another discussion. Now, I have a choice to make. I can either want my children on that day to say, Daddy was rich, Daddy made money. 
Daddy built a nice, nice house. He gave us all this stuff. He put us through college. Or I can have their number one testimony about my life be, Dad walked faithfully with God. Dad, he's 85 now. Make it easy. He's 88 now. He walked 70 years with God. They can say all the other stuff. But that's the most important thing I want to hear. Now I want to ask you that question. What do you want your children to say? What do you want people to remember you as? Because I would dare to say that if it's not you walked faithfully with God, it's not going to be meaningful in the long term. Shoes fade. Jobs get old. Even doctors don't like going to work every day. Just kids. I remember going to a funeral one time, and they just kept going on and on about the man. You know, he was a Bears fan. They placed a big blankie over him, his Bears blankie that he loved to watch games with. And it was so touching. And then they sang a song, Frank Sinatra, he did it my, you know, this is dedicated to my dad. He did it his way. And then they sang the Frank Sinatra song, I did it my way. And I just thought to myself, gone. You were a Bears fan? That's what you handed down to your kids? You were a Bears fan? You were a Cubs fan? You handed down to your kids how to make some greenbacks? How to have a house? How to eat food? I mean, this is the Bible says this, this stuff all passes. You eat food, you don't get happy. You have a job. You're, this is not true happiness. I want to know on that day that my family could say of me, he walked faithfully with the Lord. This is what, verse 2, the ancients were commended for. I want to ask you this seriously as we look at Enoch's life with everybody looking up at me. What do you want to be commended for? What do you want your life to be about? Oh, I was a star basketball player. I was a great person on my job. I was nice to my kids. I, you know, I was always there for them. We had a great family vacation once a year. Is that what you want to be commended for? Or do you want to be commended that you walk with God? Because on the day that he judges us, the Enochs are going to be our heroes. Not the Nebuchadnezzars of Babylon. Not the Hitlers of Germany. Not the Bill Gates and the Donald Trumps. We're going to say those were the men that I looked up to in this life. Now ask yourself this one last question in closing. If this is truly what you desire on the inside, you want to dedicate your life to God, then what does that mean right now? How do you become obedient to God where you're at right now? For somebody, that might be, okay, 35 years old, I start serving God right now. And that means I'm going to stop sleeping with my girlfriend, stop getting drunk, and I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to be faithful to what God's plans are. I'm going to pray for my neighbor. I'm going to help. You know, what, do you, what does that look like? What does it look like to start serving God as Enoch did right where you are? Because God is not saying, Enoch, oh, he's on some pedestal. You can't do what he did. No, God is trying to tell you, you can do exactly what Enoch did. Walk faithfully with the Lord. Be a faithful mother to God. 
uh, to your children as a mother. Be a faithful student. Be a faithful father. Be the best bus driver. Be the best teacher. Be the best executive, accountant, baseball player, best. Whatever you do, you say, I do unto God. And I'm going to be obedient to God. And if that means I don't go here and I don't walk with these people there and I don't sit here, then that's what I'm going to do. For some mothers, you know, I, I remember... Uh, going to Algonquin looking for a place to live and I go, you know, I've been living in the hood, Lawndale and Potomac, right by Humble Park, and I'm just like, man, I, I wonder what suburban living is going to be like. And I just kind of had this thought in my mind, you know, white picket fences, it's just going to seem to be so peaceful. But you know what? We went to a McDonald's, sat down there, played with our kids, and you know what these two suburban moms were doing the whole time? Gossiping like they were the real housewives of Orange County, but it was the real housewives of Algonquin County. And I thought to myself, messy people are messy everywhere you find them. There's messy people in the hood. There's messy people downtown. There's messy people of this culture, of that culture. And it just occurred to me, you can't get away from sin. You can't get away from sinners. And I just thought to myself, you know, because I'm trying to do good for my family, have them, you know, be raised and, you know, do all what I'm trying to do. And you can do that in the city. You can do that wherever. And I'm just being faithful. But it just occurred to me. These children have moms that sit here and do this. Well, let's say you're Lauren now and you're Volo and you're making friends with these moms. You may have to make a choice like Enoch and say, okay, moms, here's the deal. I'm not a garbage dump. Stop dumping the garbage. We hang out and have fun or I'm not coming to come here and say your McDonald's play party anymore because I'm not going to hear about what the person down the block did and what this person did. I don't want to be a part of that. You see, sitting and standing and walking in your life may be different than my life, but every one of us have got to make those decisions to stand and walk with Jesus. Amen. Can we pray? Lord, help us. Oh, God, we can't do it without you. Help us to walk faithfully as Enoch did. Altar workers, would you come? We're going to close out in prayer right now. But before we do, before we leave out this place, would you search your heart right now and ask yourself these three questions. Am I walking where God wants me to walk? Am I standing where God wants me to stand? Am I sitting where he wants me to sit? If you're not doing that faithfully right now, just ask the Lord to forgive you. And right now, you can start walking faithfully with the Lord. You can start right now. Right now, Lord, I want to walk in the right path you have for me. I want to stand with the right people. I want to sit where you want me to sit. Come on, Lord, raise up Enoch's in this place right now. If you're sensing Jesus right now, would you just raise your hands as a form of surrender and say, Lord, I surrender my life for your plan. Amen. Just sing softly in the background to something from your heart, worship leaders, just as we just lift our lives to God. God, I want to be the father you want me to be, the husband. Lord, I want my children to grow up. And I want them, God, to commend my wife and I for our faith in you. Lord, help us in this world, in this culture, to obey all that you commanded to faithfully walk with you. Just a few more moments before we leave, you might ask yourself, what do I do if I fall? It didn't say Enoch never made a mistake. When faithful people make mistakes, they're faithful to make it right. Just ask any faithful person.
Just ask any faithful person on your job. Have you ever made a mistake here? Oh, yeah. But what do you do? Oh, I make it right and I keep coming to work. I fix the problem. But I'm still faithful to my job. I don't quit and not show up. Ask anybody faithful in marriage. You guys ever have problems? Oh, yeah, sure we've had problems. How did you get over it? Well, we worked on our problems. We changed some attitudes. We realigned our lives. We're working through it. Yeah, we're faithful to each other. To death do us part. Talk to any parent faithful to their kids. Is it always easy to raise your kids right? To teach them the word of God? Does it? Do you always keep it under control? Nope, sometimes we don't. What do we do? We, we repent when we make it wrong. When we do it wrong, we make it right. We don't quit. We keep doing devotions. We might have skipped a night. We might have skipped a week, but we get on it. We walk faithfully. We don't quit. We don't give up. We don't give in. We go forward. We keep walking step by step by step 30 more seconds come on you know what you got to say let God speak to you today dedicate your life to him I surrender God I surrender to you I'm gonna walk with you God help us Lord I pray specifically for those who have been serving the Lord longer than 10, 20 years right now. I pray, God, they keep taking every step with you. I pray they don't get weary in their well-doing. Let them walk 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 300 years should you tarry, God. I pray for every newbie, everyone that's just taking their baby steps, God. I pray you encourage them. I pray they don't give up. I pray, God, they go through their baby stages, their toddler stages, their adolescent stages, to adulthood. God, I, I pray you keep using them. Though they stumble and fall, Lord, pick them back up. Let them walk with you. Let them talk with you. Let them build a relationship with you, God. Let them see now that you'll never leave or forsake them. Let them build that trust with you, that faith with you. Can somebody say amen? Would you just hold the hand of the person next to you? Would you look at the person to your left and to your right and say you're going to make it? Say you're going to walk with God? Amen. I'm going to ask that Pastor Berta would close us out in prayer. And anyone who needs prayer today, we're up here for any need. But especially if you need some help walking it out with God. Don't walk out of here until you've been encouraged. Pastor Berta, would you pray for us? Father God, we give you thanks for the word, Lord God. We thank you for the faith that has risen up in the hearts of every person in this room, Lord. We thank you for the impartation that took place in the, this morning, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, Father God, for the transforming lives that just happened right now, Lord Father. God, we give you all the glory, Father. And we ask, Lord God, continue, Lord God, taking us, Lord God, deeper with you, Lord God. Continue, Lord God, pouring your, your revelation of your word. Continue speaking to us. And I pray that every heart in here, every person, Lord God, will continue walking obediently with you, Father God. So you may receive all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him one more hand clap of praise because he's worthy. We're walking with the great God. Amen. Would you slap your neighbor high five and say, walk with Jesus. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Enjoy life groups. And come up if you need prayer. I surrender, I surrender. Amen. Welcome to the after party if you want to hang out. We'll love to pray for you. Come on up or worship with us. Hallelujah. Be with us today, God.
another song just keep praying those who are praying if you need prayer come on up someone will get to you just be patient with us please but those who can hear me as I'm just praying over this congregation oh hallelujah I just felt the Lord say as I was laying hands on Nicole it's a word for her as well as so many others today is a day of a new level of faithfulness even if you felt that other days you didn't do right, you can say today is that day of faithfulness. I just felt that for Nicole. I feel that for so many others. That we would just stop trying to be religious and impress God and just start walking with God. He'll accept you as you are. And He'll say today is your new day. So let me just encourage that as the band gets ready to sing another song, keep praying. But your day starts today. Your day is now. Your time is now. What happened in Enoch's life for 65 years, we don't know. But after that day, he could be marked as a faithful man. I pray that everyone that's come for prayer and that everyone in this congregation will have a day that they've been marked, that they've been faithful. In this generation, may the Enoch's of the Lord rise up. Hallelujah. Thank you. Let's keep praying and worshiping. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Do it, God, whatever her need is. Do it, God. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy. You are worthy. For from you are Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You are worthy of it all. 
I don't even need to know what you came to get prayer for, but I just feel the Lord is saying that to you as well. Just be encouraged that he accepts you as you are. And he says, your day has started. Faithfully walk with me. Faithfully serve me. And I know that that day for you has been a lot longer than just today. But whatever you came up for, or whatever may be in your heart or you're going through, just know that God says that doesn't take away. That doesn't take away from you faithfully serving Him. Faithful people may still make mistakes. Faithful people may doubt. Faithful people may stumble. But I just hear the Lord saying that your faithfulness is what you will be commended for. Just receive that right now. Come on. Your children will say, from this day, from a day my mother went from this, from being a, this kind of person to being a faithful kind of person. That has already happened. They can see it. But as time goes on, they're going to commend you for it. Your grandchildren, and should you live long enough, great-grandchildren are going to commend you for your faithfulness. Just let them strengthen you. Let them encourage you. Set your heart on Him. No matter what you face. Oh, let Him plant you where He wants you to grow. Let Him just position your life, your house, your job in such a way that bears fruit. Just follow His voice. Keep in step with Jesus. Come on, just say that with me. Lord, I'm going to walk with you. Woo! I'm going to keep in step with you. Now would you just tell them one more time what that means, what areas you need to know how to follow him in. You could just say, Lord, I'm going to follow you on my job. I'm going to follow you as the mother you want me to be. I'm going to follow you and ask you in. Come on, would you just make it personal? prayers of your daughter today, God. Yes, God. Yes.
Worshiping and praying, just keep going for God. Do it, Jesus. Do it, God. Do it, God. Do it in their lives, God. Do it in their lives, God. 